0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Value Line Observer with the Value Guys. I'm Val Hughes. And I'm Vern Value. And we are 25-year Wall Street veterans who have taken on secret identities and gone underground in order to provide you with our candid views on a handful of stocks out of each week's Value Line investment survey. You've seen our faces on TV. You've seen us quoted in the news. But our bosses would never allow our unvarnished views on the air, so we change our voices and they'll never know. Uh, This week, we look at a uh, variety of uh, uh, dates on the Value Line Investment Survey, Um, and uh, we'll get back to talk about that uh, exactly a little bit later. But first, a couple of caveats. This show is for entertainment purposes only. This is really important. Pay attention. Uh, and uh, we may have a lot of conflicts of interest. We may own the stocks we're going to talk about. We may not own them. We may be trying to trick you into thinking we're owning them when we don't, and vice versa. Just imagine you're walking quick quicksand. It could be. And we may have relationships with these management teams or their, uh, or their friends and families. And uh, finally, we may be uh, completely uninformed, although, as I said last week, Oftentimes, we're somewhat informed, but we may be completely uninformed. I'm going to be back at the back half of the show to talk about three... I have, I, to, I have on, to compliment
1: you for really thinking out of the box. On which thing? I mean, this oh. is a really interesting
0: twist on the. Well, I'm going to be show. back at the back half of the show to talk about three stocks that are not from this week's issue. And, wow. Yeah. And uh, I'd like to tell you I thought of that in advance, but uh, no, just... I uh, cannot wait for that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to cut my section short. I'd done my work and then only to realize I'd been looking at the wrong date. So, uh, listen, it'll be entertaining. The stock prices haven't really changed. So that'll be later. Uh, Amerisource Bergen, Baxter International, and Johnson & Johnson. But first, with a... Well, we'll uh, see how entertaining A lot of ado this week... Um, a lot of dude. Yeah, a lot of ado. Vern Value. Oh, Vern.
1: I can hear the, the adieu in the distance. Take it away. There you go. Thank you. Uh, it's a very interesting adieu. Do you have enough uh, I have of an adult stocks, beverage this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I, I have stocks from this week's Value Line Investment Survey. How novel. Yeah, mine are from uh, October 16. When are yours from?
0: You know, I don't, I don't have dates on here. Mm-hmm. Sometime in the past, no, okay. but this is historical data. It doesn't change. I'm fine. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I
1: mean, you're just talking about stocks that. Um, I'm sorry, Mr. Uh, page number order. That, you know.
0: Do you have the page numbers for yours? I'm not. I'm not going in page number order mm-hmm. this week. Uh oh, Burn. I know there's a lot of changes. It's a little to work bit like me.
1: working without a net. Try isn't to just it? work with me. So hang in there, everybody. The second half of the show. Promises to be very interesting. Well, they're still good, interesting. Ideas. still good ideas. There's going to be thrills. There's going to be chills. And I might take a short nap. Uh, I thought you were providing those because I don't have any of that. I'm going to lead all. off with a stock that I, I'm convinced has tremendous longer-term value. Uh, we've talked about it before. What's the ticker? Now just let's The buy ticker it. symbol is BW. Just order some up right now. Okay. It's called. The name of the company is Brush Engineered Materials. No, they don't make materials used in brushes. No, I've met these guys. They do beryllium. These are the guys that have a near global monopoly on beryllium. We
0: did a great show about beryllium.
1: They, this is uh, a Brush you is the world's that? only fully integrated producer and supplier of beryllium. I now know. I was looking at some of their materials and the beryllium portion of the business is only about 40% of the business these days instead of the 75-plus percent that it used to be in the old days. But, I mean... It's the
0: most exciting part.
1: What, what's the margin expansion opportunity? I, you know...
0: I don't know. How big is a, a nuclear Shrink the explosion. supply
1: of beryllium until you're getting a price you like.
0: So There's uh, two mines, one here
1: and I, I, one in, the, I in think Russia. I think there's some real opportunity here. For enhanced profitability over time, as the company better leverages its competitive position
0: in, in the beryllium. beryllium market. You know what beryllium? I have no idea does. what beryllium is. oh well, my, it's, it makes it, things it, incredibly hard. It's it, in it, the tips it, yeah. of all the nuclear weapons. I, I guess they, uh,
1: you know, they coat bearings with it to mm-hmm. give them improved life. And yeah. uh, Brush has been working on all kinds of new markets and. This is uh, it's in Cleveland, right? This is a business. Oh, I don't know. Where is yeah, it? It's I've, in, I've uh, yes, guys. it's in Cleveland, I've Ohio. Met these people. There's they, past uh, shows about this. They took the business from, you know, 400 million to 600 million range of revenue uh, to more like a billion dollars uh, as the U.S. economy peaked in 2007, 2008. So, you know, it's going to go down to 700, I guess, this year, according to Value Line, maybe a little lower. Where's the next cyclical peak? I don't know, but I'm gonna start with two X and value lines talking about only getting back to the prior peak. Now why would that be when I'm getting ready to leverage my pricing power in the global beryllium market? I don't know. Now and besides that, I mean because this is very important, people are trying to get improved, longer lives out of well, anything that, you know, is really hard.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: you know, for but uh, because that stuff's really expensive, in, you know, anymore these days. But um, is this a logical
0: argument? Nah, you know, monopoly power. Now,
1: the, what the company's been doing is they've been taking the free cash flow from the brilliant business and reinvesting it in small technology-oriented acquisitions that are bringing them new materials processing capabilities and and people who really understand what's going on in the physical product world will tell you that material science is really the key to the break to breakthroughs in several different industries brush makes products that are being used at the leading edge of solar power lithium-ion batteries and a variety of different optical technologies i mean you're really talking about a really a suite of capabilities that gives them uh... they hold a key to a lot of companies, ability to miniaturize their products. Okay, so I've got that is half the company. This global beryllium near monopoly is the other half. What's of their the company. operating margin? Uh, for some reason, I don't understand why it's like ten
0: percent. Well, that ain't good.
1: SG&A I know, it might sucks. be a lot.
0: Maybe the salesman makes a ton. Gross margin maybe is very. Yeah, important.
1: but I don't. I mean, if you if you control the beryllium market. Why do you need salesmen? The phone should just ring. Hi, Hello. we need some beryllium. Russia Would you will underprice sell you. it to us. Russia, I, they're underpricing you. Uh, you gotta be in there with the golf game. The return stuff. on capital is also not so great here. Um, but you know, Value Line says that their numbers uh, their numbers got a lot better last quarter. Uh, they you know, they think there's some momentum there. What I see is the company says they've uh, taken some cost cutting measures, taking forty-five to fifty million dollars of cost out of the business tax effect that divide that by 20 million shares and you have a number that's like a buck and a half a share this is a company that earned less than two dollars at the peak and in value line expects to lose fifteen cents uh, this year two thousand nine so huge cost reduction program about to start hitting the p&l Uh, They serve a variety of different end markets. They've seen some pickup in the consumer electronics business, which I guess is about half their business these days. Um, I've got about a $550 million enterprise value. Uh, There's very little net debt. Most of that's uh, equity. Uh, Value line's looking for next year in 2010 for there to be $64 of EBITDA. And that's with, you know, operating margin making only a small recovery. Uh, and on that basis, i'd have an eight point seven enterprise value to EBITDA multiple, which is one of our favorite ways to uh to value stocks. I can take the inverse of that it would be probably be about twelve percent I can add it to growth, which in this case cash flow earnings looks like a high single digit number um and i've got a pretty interesting expected return and I think the numbers that value line's using for Uh, uh, potential earnings power in the 2012 to 2014 range are just way too low. And so there's a lot more than uh, upside to $40 here from recent 27. This will be a $60 stock in two years. Take a look at Brush BW. Now, my other two names are uh, really old stalwarts of the uh, pharmaceutical world, although Abbott – you know, really is uh, only about half pharmaceuticals these days. Um, A variety of nutritional products is actually more than 15% of the business, for example, but they have a big suite of medical products. Uh, They also have a lower page number than Bristol-Myers, and I think, you know, most of our Most of our listeners would really appreciate the fact that I started with Brush on 1567. I'm moving now to Abbott on 1585. And then I'll have a, I'm going to talk about the stock on 1591 for those of you who are carefully following the page numbers.
0: Are you just flaunting the page numbers now because I don't have the page well, numbers? Well, I think most of our listeners know that I, I initiated the idea of doing that's it in page numbers that you've order. been trying to sell here.
1: Anyway, my thesis here for Abbott Labs, symbol ABT, is baby boomers. Okay? We're going to spend more money on healthcare, reform or not. Uh, If you want to. Abbott, line has been good enough to supply 15 years of operating history on their report for this company. And if you look at the sales, cash flow, earnings, and dividend lines, the first four rows in the table,
0: they've never
1: gone down year to year.
0: Let me ask you something. They've never
1: had a down year. That's
0: impressive. Now, you're a baby boomer. Yes. Am I right? What are you apt to spend more money on? A new bicycle or skateboard, Jacket, perhaps, yeah. or uh, an artificial hip. Let me ask you. <laughs> so, what's my price elasticity yeah, you're like? You're want for... as we age. We want to spend more money. It's not a. It's not like a a, a problem to fix. That healthcare as a percent of GDP is going up. We want to spend on that. That's our choice, right? you'll I, Yes, want to absolutely.
1: So I have better than GDP growth possibilities here. Abbott, of course, with a variety of uh, solutions that do actually help contain healthcare costs. Uh, depending on whether you use Value Lines estimates for 09 or 10, I've got right around a, a, a 10 multiple of EBITDA on the enterprise value. They're looking for 7 8% growth. I've got 10% cash on cash return on the business. That puts me close to 20%. I have a 3% yield. So I've got a pretty interesting uh, expected return here. The stock has been walloped on a relative basis to the market since the beginning of the year because people flocked to Abbott, actually just didn't sell their Abbott uh, as the market was melting down last year. Um, this year, people have decided to get after risk. You know, Abbott is a more defensive name, so you have an opportunity to buy it here at a time when You know, people don't want to own it, and that's usually a good time to be buying a stock. I can get this for about 10 times cash flow. You know, these metrics aren't six or eight times like I'd like them to be, but uh, this is very high quality. Returns on capital, 20% or higher for the last 10 years. Uh, They just announced a big acquisition, Solvay Pharmaceuticals, diluting earnings in the short term, but at a time when uh, earnings growth is expected to be uh, actually, relatively robust. So you got to take a look at uh, AbbVie. ABT is a good time to get involved with it. And then, lastly, I've got a kind of a you know less interesting company, but something where the value metrics are a lot more interesting. And this is Bristol Myers Squibb, chronic underperformer really. The stock is, I mean, it's just kind of been a, a slow and steady erosion of value relative to the market um, since 2001. So, what do I see when I see that? I see that shareholders would be receptive to a change in control. I see that officers and directors only own 1% of the stock. I see a yield at north of 5%, with earnings per share expected to continue to grow this year and almost 50% higher than my dividend rate. So, I can cover the yield no problem. There is a reason for a takeout to occur here in a consolidating industry. Shareholders should be receptive to it. My enterprise value to EBITDA multiple is under 10 times, although it's got a comparable short-term growth outlook to somebody like Abbott. Um, Bristol-Myers Squibb, of course, also a diversified uh, pharmaceutical name in a variety of other markets like diagnostics, infant formula, health and beauty aids even. But, um, you know, the story there is that they've got Plavix and some other stuff coming off patent in the 2012 to 2015 range, and so they like uh, Abbott are trying to buy things to uh, help sustain their growth. And uh, with that, I'm ready to turn it over to uh, my uh, uh, usually quite prompt and time-sensitive partner, Val Hughes. And it's your turn. Uh, oh
0: yeah. Hey, hey, Vern.
1: What, um, what's your you first You didn't stop? use all
0: your time well, I want to week. save
1: a little bit for the wrap-up at the end.
0: Oh, really? You have something yeah. in mind? No. Are we going to do our beverage break and toast? Or beverage break? Are just going break? to roll into the... No, yeah, beverage we, break we, we got toast. a system here.
1: I, you know, we to, got a system. To <laughs> your innovation, the innovation that you're bringing to the show.
0: You know, I really think you're putting too much weight on on the creative process, uh, you know, to call it an epiphany, I think might be overstating it. Okay. But, then I'll, then I won't use the term again. Is I there promise. a prize? Because, uh, no, otherwise I no. have to tell you that it was just, I mean, honestly, a complete accident or honestly, uh, you know, I, I mean, some of the way. greatest ideas come by accident. You know, I was Maybe really, I was, I
1: was really upset on your behalf because I think most of our listeners know you've been doing this show longer then the most recent Nobel Peace Prize winner has been doing his job.
0: Well, listen, I, um, I think that uh, the show— can, I voted for you, man. Yeah, I mean, the show has a shot uh, to win some prizes, certainly. I mean, we, we hope to contribute a lot in the future, uh, and I think— To peace on, worldwide. On that basis. To a
1: nuclear-free world oh, and Listen, to uh, more diplomacy, to less a shooting, stock market that's we're, always fairly valued. We're in favor of talking. I, all investors beat the
0: market. Well, that would be great. Wouldn't it? Also, I think if everything's always fairly priced, there's no there's no one harmed or helped. It's just sort of a steady, steady, you know, something. Steady morass. Can't you we know? all be friends? I don't know. Um... Does anyone even know what we're talking about at this point? I, I, uh, I'm going to talk about three stocks this week. I do. That are not in this week's issue. And uh, call it an innovation. Wow. Call it a brainstorm. Well, that
1: means that means it might be a little difficult. Call it a for
0: complete, the, stupid X. For the listener whatever. to follow. Okay. Why don't
1: you give them the page number? It'll help them find uh, You know,
0: it. what I want to do is I want to move to a space, fern that doesn't have page numbers. Okay? Let's free our mind to remember a page number is to not remember something important about the fundamentals you know, of the I company. You know, I did that for a I'm while
1: saying? and you uh, you know, you
0: were harsh. Um, well, this is a complete accident. And uh, you know, yeah. call that humility, call it honesty. I'm sorry that I that I'm picking
1: so, on you. You know, not, we all know you listen, didn't do it on. Listen, I just purpose. need a little more of Let's
0: a, focus on the good stock and more beverage uh, breaks. Okay, three ideas this week from Val Hughes. They're not in this week's issue, but let's not let that stop us. I forgot again. In order to just improvise here on the fly, I'm going to go in alphabetical order this week. So I hope that's okay with everybody. Oh, did I do that? Um, Now, in a a sheer twist of fate, in a complete twist of fate, the stocks I've chosen this week, so as not to disrupt your day, uh, listener, uh, are also drug stocks. Honestly, and it's a drug issue. So, you know, listen, you don't have to be rocked out of your comfort zone of enjoying to hear about the pharmaceutical industry. That's what I am doing this week as well.
1: Who knew that they'd
0: actually split the Who industry into different knew? Who weeks?
1: Knew?
0: Who knew? Uh, now, this is a little bit more on the distribution side, which I've always favored because then you don't have to pick the winners. You don't have to worry about patents. It's just volume, on. baby. It's volume, it's weight, it's efficient movement. And even if you go to a, you know, socialist system where some price police are coming to your house to make sure you're not harming anyone, they have operating margins of 1%, which means that they're marking things up. That means that they're they're this close to being wiped (laughs) out. Well, you might think so.
1: Yes, Except I do. Here's
0: what's happened. It's very. It's a very interesting time for the drug distributors, so I know it'll be your instinct to interrupt, but just wait a moment. Let me tell the story here. Now this is an industry that uh, provides drugs to hospitals and medical offices and all that, and for years and years they had an odd pricing model, which was they bought drugs from the drug companies and then they resold them to the hospitals at a higher price and they would tend to know when price increases were coming before anyone else so they could load up on prices you know lower price products sell it at a higher price and it was kinda like no one knew where the money oh, that was. sounds like from. a winning formula well it it ended up being sort of an inventory profit and it was able it was an easy way to sort of hide the price because there was never any markup and you could uh, argue to the customer he wasn't really paying anything for the service. It was odd. And in order to get market share in a commodity business where you were selling the same thing as everyone else, you had services and you brought software and you tried to penetrate the customer and get many points of contact. And so, you know, the the great one at that was Cardinal Health. In fact, they just spun off the business into something called Care Fusion, I think, that was all of their non-distribution businesses. And it's a great little company, you know, it's too expensive for me to buy right now. Oh, I see. Yeah, too expensive. I mean, people know about it. So they finally, a few years ago, maybe five years ago, they had to move away from this price plus or inventory profit model Somebody in government, who knows, declared it not legal or whatever. And there was a big issue with inventory profits at Merck and analyst estimates not being right because of a whispered number to somebody or whatever. It's all a lot of nonsense. In any case, what's happened is the industry has spent five years educating clients about something called fee for service. And so their margins have stabilized at a lower level, but in return, they've gotten better, longer contracts for better turnover. So here's something really worth a case study. Their operating margin at Bergen, Brunswick, or Amerisource Bergen, as they're called now, after many acquisitions, is 1.4 percent. That means all their costs before depreciation and taxes are uh, 99 or 98.6 cents for every dollar of sales. So that's a lot of so cost.
1: Execution's not terribly
0: important. And you're well, no. And then what they do is it's amazingly important because with that little narrow spread, they're <laughs> earning a 17% return on equity, a 13% return on capital. These are one of the most amazing asset utilization industries in business because they're basically having a about a 10 turnover on assets, which means they're moving billions of dollars through their warehouses, you know, every six months on automated conveyors that – you know, have laser-guided movement to the right truck that's going to the right address, okay, et cetera. Okay. so they and barely so, make any money, you love it. No, right. they make a ton of money. They're they're earning, as I said, it's really their return on capital. Their model is uh, low markup on incredibly efficient costs that keeps other people out of the business. That's why it's an oligopoly. And they have amazing uh, leverage Asset on assets, so it's uh, – High return on capital and and even a little bit of leverage gets you a high return on equity. Right now, it's a 25% discount to the market P.E. on an enterprise value to EBITDA basis. It's six times, and I think a couple things are going on. One is people think that they're going to be losers somehow in a more government-driven system. And I think that's not going to happen because they're so efficient – there, there's no one to turn to but them. They set price, and so they don't need well, to cut There's a lot price. of higher nails that will have to
1: be pounded down before you get to them. Yeah, I
0: mean, they're, they're, they're providing a wonderful service, and no one's going to complain about that. And the other thing is, they've just really got this new pricing model. Even three years ago, the idea that fee-for-service was going to catch on was not clear. So the industry has gone sideways on a relative multiple basis. But I think we're going to get back to a period where they are going to earn... Um, Their fair share of a growing health care dollar as a percent of GDP. They're going to stay right there as uh, their cut of that pie, and they're going to make good money on it, and the market doesn't appreciate that right now. This is selling cheaper than it usually sells. It doesn't get to a big premium, but this is about the cheapest it ever gets on a relative multiple basis, and I think that's due to uncertainty that's going to lift going forward. Six times EBITDA, that's a 16% cash on cash. I get a little growth. Um, and this is probably a low 20s earner. Next up, Baxter, because I'm going alphabetical. B-A-X. I'm going to uh, try to be quick here with time. My theme here is diversified healthcare um, is going to grow faster than GDP. These guys are a good shepherd of your capital. They're earning 20, 22% returns on capital. They have a little bit of leverage. 34, 35% return on equity. I mean, those are great numbers in anybody's book. They've been using excess cash to buy shares. I like that because it means they're not wasting my money on stupid capital spending projects that don't return capital. Their return on capital has been going up. It actually means that incrementally they're they've got somebody running the shop that's smart and spending money well. And if they don't, you know, spend it on some good ROI project, they're buying stock back. I like that. Twenty-nine percent operating margin, that says proprietary, and a very good pricing model. They understand their markets very well and their price points, and they lever that a little bit uh, into a good return on equity. Enterprise value to EBITDA eight times. Uh, Baxter has a nice diversified mix of products. They're not all one thing that's going to go away. They're a lot of delivery systems, so they're a companion to an effective drug, and they, you need them for the particular delivery Why system. Why would they
1: be cheaper than Abbott by a couple multiple points?
0: Uh, you know, I can't speak to that. I didn't study the uh, the Abbott. Because Abbott's Wasn't that got your stock?
1: Abbott's got a lot of numbers.
0: There didn't you similar. already talked
1: about Abbott? It, has Baxter had down years in their history?
0: Um. They really don't. N- none of these companies do. No. I mean, it could be that Baxter has something that's more susceptible to being knocked off or more susceptible to a generic. You know, you've got to do your work on whether they have a proprietary drug at high margin that's about to have a generic, and that yeah. would always right. matter. Right. I mean, they do a bunch of uh, vaccines. They do, uh, you know, they have some proprietary drugs. They're big into dialysis. Maybe the market thinks that's going to get hit in Medicare price cuts. There are some things to go in and look at, but a lot of that looks priced in. Um, earnings six are going six, up. Yeah. The company's buying back shares. Their returns have been great. I mean, maybe you think that means they're a target for price cuts. Certainly could be. you got to dig in here. But I think a lot of the bad news is in the stock. Eight times EBITDA to me is a 12% cash on cash. Plus, um, I'm going to get, you know, the value line says 15% growth. I think you don't need that much. This is a mid, low mid-20s returner. And finally, Johnson & Johnson, J&J. Uh, what, it, you,
1: didn't you just recently do that one?
0: I might have. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't keep track. At least I don't have it in front of me. Um, what do I like about J&J? Again, another diversified provider. They reported today or yesterday, and they missed the number a little bit. So the stock came down. It's sixty bucks ninety four cents. Value line says they're gonna earn four ninety next year. It's a thirteen multiple, eighteen percent discount PE. This is as cheap as it ever gets. And again, there's a lot of fear about what these new healthcare, you know, laws are gonna bring. It's 8 times EBITDA, that's 12%, 7% cash on cash, that's a nineteen twenty percent return. They've got a consumer business, a contraceptive business. They've already had some generic competition, so they've already worked their way through all that. And they're still earning a mid-20s return on capital. They've got a, also, like Baxter, an upper 20s percent operating margin. Um, You could fear that there's something coming, but, again, they're so diversified, I think they're fine. And, you know, you could do more work on that because I haven't. Anyway, Johnson & Johnson, JNJ, I do not know the page number. And, Vern, you had some closing remarks. No, I mean closing remarks. You said Uh, you had
1: closing remarks. No, just what's your favorite idea this week? And I'm going to use my index here to to help me figure out that – yeah, my highest page number stock, Bristol-Myers Squibb with uh, 5% plus yield. I think I like best. Uh,
0: my favorite is Bergen. I don't know the page number. See you next week.